Hello, and welcome to another episode of Overdrinkers, the Story Screen Presents podcast where Mike Burge gets drunk with a friend and talks about a movie. People love this show. They love it. Uh, and today I am joined by a very special guest, first timer, big lover of podcasts and all things music, Mr. Brian Kopchak. Yeah, that's right. Kopchak, yeah. yeah. Hi, everyone. Hey, man. How are you? I'm good. Yeah? Yeah. Thanks for coming on. Yeah. I'm, I'm a little sleepy, but I'll I'll get there as this, you know, mm-hmm. as we progress. Totally. Have you have you ever done a podcast before? No. This is your first one? First time. Be gentle. Hey, no. Just, just look at me. Okay. Look at me right now. It's going to be fine. Uh, and, uh, as always on Overdrinkers, well, I guess not as always, I guess I should say, cause I don't know exactly how this is going to turn out because this is the first time we've recorded in this space as, as we've been want to lately, we've been recording at the newly opened Story Screen Beacon Theater. Uh, we've recorded in Theater 2, we've recorded in the not yet finished Theater 3, uh, but we've never recorded in Theater 1, which is our big, uh, big, big, big stadium, uh, space uh so we're in there right now so i don't know how it's gonna sound but hopefully it sounds pretty good maybe a little echoey but uh i hope you guys can deal with that because we're gonna be talking music and kind of sound and different <laughs> things like that as as movies do uh today we're talking we're talking about uh two movies uh one movie more as like a jettison into a bigger conversation that we were interested in having with each other uh, we'll save that for the second half but the first half we're gonna be talking about Whiplash, Damien Chazelle's uh, movie about uh, drumming, but more about tension and stuff like that. We'll we'll dive into pretty much what that's all about in just a little bit. Um, but of course, always on Overdrinkers, we have a themed beverage that we will be partaking of. And because this is going to be a nice laid back conversation with just me and my buddy Brian, I figured I'd uh, whip together some Tom Collins uh, with a little added uh, ingredients of my own. A Tom Collins, for those who don't know, very simple, basic drink. Um, got some ice, you got some club soda, uh, and then a little simple syrup, gin, uh, and some lemon juice. Mix it on up and you're good to go. I added some lavender and some cucumber for it a little bit. And so uh, cheers to you, buddy. Cheers. Nailed it. Nailed it. <laughs> yeah, cheers again. Well, cheers again. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. Mm. Oh, good. Oh, all right. So, Brian, <laughs> Whiplash. Oh boy. I had a. Uh, I brought up talking to you about Whiplash uh, a while ago. You are a drummer by trade. That's right. Uh, and we had had some conversations. I think about La La Land at first, which is also directed by Damien Chazelle. Uh, of which I really like La La Land and have seen it. You do not like La La Land and have not seen it. <laughs> whoa, whoa, okay. I mean, no, I haven't seen right. it. Yeah, right, yeah. I, it's not that I don't like it. I don't, I don't uh, know. Not interested. Yeah, we'll say that. Okay. <laughs> and so, but by by nature of that whole thing, that was kind of like whiplash as well. You had not seen it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you were just not really genuinely interested in like what it was portraying or like what it was going to be doing and stuff because it looked like it was about drumming and it's... Is it something like, like, uh, why don't you tell me what you think about Whiplash, and then I'll tell you what I think about what you think about Whiplash. 
you want to do you want to tell like me that? what I or you want me to tell you what I thought about Whiplash? Or yeah, like uh, going before, in before going I in. saw it. Or? Yeah, before you saw it, like going in because we had decided that we were going to do this podcast a couple months ago, right? And uh, the theater ended up opening, and I got really busy, and so we kept pushing it off, pushing it off. We, yeah. we both had to actually rewatch it again recently to be able to refresh ourselves on. Yeah. I've seen the movie a couple times. Uh, now you've seen the movie a couple times. That's right. So just give me give me your story. Your story of whiplash while I drink this delicious drink. <laughs> um, so before watching it, um, I guess I kind of just had some. I mean, I'm not really a big movie watcher in general. I kind of just when it happens, it happens. If I'm not doing anything, but um, yeah, I mean, I've I saw a lot of little reviews and a lot of memes as well. People making fun of whiplash, like drummers making fun of it. And I mean, I I hadn't seen it, but I kind of could gauge, you know, what a movie adaptation of a musician's life would kind of look like. And I think more or less after seeing it, I was kind of right. Um, I think if you watch the movie from a musician's perspective, you can't help but just laugh your ass off the entire time. Yeah, it's it's <laughs> it's heightening and dramatize over dramatizing yeah. like all of this stuff that's actually just pretty day to day and mundane. Or you know, it's it's heightening reality for somebody that this is their reality. Yeah, I like think, a nurse watching a, a show that takes place at a hospital. They're just like, yeah, well, I mean, come on, yeah, yeah. exactly, yeah. Um, so yeah, in that context, it's like you. You can't help but laugh all the references mm-hmm. that they make <laughs> that are just kind of like a little bit off. It's like, oh, no, I wouldn't normally say that. Mm-hmm. Like, or I wouldn't find do myself. An, do you have an example this. of something like that? Yeah. Because like, this is what's interesting to me is because we're both coming at this from like, I think two different stances where like, I'm a movie guy, you're a music guy. This is a movie that uses music to explain its themes. And right. I think we both understand themes pretty well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think we both are on the same page of what the themes are in the movie. Yeah. It's just very interesting looking at it as like, I'm looking at the language of the movie mm-hmm. and how it's presenting those themes through music. And you, just by the nature of your, you know, not hobby in a derogatory sense, just like what you do, your life's passion, so to speak, what you are most interested in, you can't help but be like, yeah, but like, that's not yeah. how that would happen, you know? And re- <laughs> I get that it's a movie and it's like some movies have like guys in crazy robot suits and that's not how that would happen. But this is a little bit different because it's kind of grounded. It's small scale. Right. And it's dealing with something that you are a professional at. I guess you could say You're that. a professional. <laughs> you're, you're, you're one of the best drummers I've ever met. And I oh. know a lot of drummers. Well, thank you. Yeah, it's mainly because you're not an asshole. Most drummers are <laughs> assholes, especially jazz drummers. Jesus. <laughs> Jane, get me off this crazy thing. Am I right? Yeah, there was a, there was a couple little references. Um, let's see if I can remember. One of them was like the, the scene where they're... Uh, he's trying to get all the drummers to play really like to play caravan at like 300 BPM. Oh yeah. When he's going through the three. Yeah. 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 And he's like, what does he say? Uh, yeah, I'm going to have you guys shit in four hundreds. <laughs> it's like, yeah. no one really says like, Oh yeah, I can bust out four hundreds. Like, you know, it's mm-hmm. like you're a weightlifter. Like, yeah, I can bust out. Well, and I think that that's, dr- yeah. that's into his character where it's like JK Simmons put on a lot of muscle for the role. 
and like he like kind of beefed up where it's like he's kind of like uh the dude he's like the drill sergeant from full metal jack mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it's like kind of taking this thing like jazz and music that we've always kind of like this kind of um this ensemble like it's taking something that's always been considered by like the outside eye as like very elegant, yeah, very proper, maintained. Uh, you have to be extremely talented, and of course, it's 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 never been like given this kind of cutthroat edge, which you know probably isn't everywhere, but definitely exists at places. Like Damien Chazelle based the story off of his own experiences um, going to. Uh, what's it called again conservatory school conservatory, yeah. yeah and like he which for our listeners that don't know what is a conservatory school specifically i mean i wouldn't actually know no because i never went to i know you never went to one but like it's more like it, it's i a don't specific, know what defines specifically it's like a, a college university right, right. like I a private school that specializes in a specific type of music, right? It's not all just any music. It's right. They have jazz conservatories. Does it, they have, does it only apply to music? I mean, I, I, maybe not. I don't know. I've only ever heard the term conservatory school referred to with, uh, music. with musicians right. and music in like their college, like educational training years, not even college. Like they can go younger. Yeah. Um, but if any of our listeners do know actually what a conservatory school is, please let us know in the comments and you can make fun of us all you want and we will thank you. Um, we like to learn. Yes. Uh, so it's, but it's like kind of fun, like bringing in this kind of cutthroat nature to it. Yeah. And, you know, J.K. Simmons rightfully won Best Supporting Actor in this because he is on fire. Yeah. In this movie, whether or not you think it's over the top and he's just like gnawing on the corners of every room of every scene that he's in, which he is. Um, and I think that he brings like a real like it's it's definitely heightened reality. Yeah. But for me, I can remove that because I'm also learning things about drumming, which is like this thing that I just know next to nothing about. Drumming is like one of the worst fucking things for me. <laughs> I can't drum. I can't. I don't have timing. And so, like, as a musician, I've kind of mainly set to, like, keyboards and synth because you can kind of goof around and figure something out. With drumming and guitar and stuff, I'm like, wait, I got to move, like, this stuff like that. And I, I don't know. Drumming's the worst. I cannot do it for the life of me. I disagree with you. I think you have, I think you have good timing. It just comes out in You mean great that, timing? Great timing. Sure. I have like comedic timing. Exactly. But that's. But I don't have like drumming timing. But you, uh, I don't know. I would say that's kind of the same thing in, in some ways because oh. it's, it's communication essentially. Mm-hmm. You know, if you can anticipate where the spaces and everything is, you know, you're better off. You can listen to that in a musical scenario and know when certain things are going to happen. Like when, you know, we, when we did the, uh, the Nosferatu live scoring, like. You were definitely on top of it. Well, I really tried hard. Yeah. Uh, That was like, I was, we did a, when we we did a, like last October when we were doing the horror show part four, we did uh, myself, you, and a drummer, Lee Press, Mm -hmm. and um, a upright bassist, Nate, Mm -hmm. uh, Nathaniel. And uh, you did sound effects, and I did keyboard and synthesizer, and we live scored Nosferatu in front of an audience. Uh, it was a lot of fun. Uh, we're planning on doing it again, too. We literally just talked about this at the bar the other night. You weren't there. No. Uh, but we want to do it again here at the theater, I think, for City Lights. Oh, okay. So we were going to, uh, the Charlie Chaplin movie. Oh, okay. So I think we were going to try and do something like that, but I needed to hit you up because we also wanted to find a keyboardist and a violinist to do it. Yeah. We'll talk about that after. Yeah. That'll be yeah. fun. Sounds cool. Um, 
But yeah, like I, I was doing it with like a bunch of musicians and I'm not, I don't consider myself a musician. Uh, and I was like, okay, I have to like try as hard as I can mm. to at least time wise make this work. And everybody said that I did good, but I think they were just being nice. No, you know what? I, I think this like raises a really good point. Um, especially because through Whiplash, we're kind of getting, you know, the, the people who are watching who may not be familiar with, you know, people who go to music school or what a musician's process is are going to see this and they're kind of going to get like an idea of what it's like to be a musician and like the hardship of that. But the thing is, the problem that I had with it is that it's, you know, it is over dramatic and, you know, for people who don't understand, you know, what it is to play music and and re- and really just play. I mean, you know, like through the school system and like what um I guess like what the education system has done to jazz is kind of like uh kind of boiled it down into this this um academic thing that you can just like learn and and that's it. And but there's really so much more depth to playing jazz music than I think this movie kind of portrays. Mm-hmm. I think the movie does treat jazz music as very kind of surgical. Yeah. And, and, which it's not. And it's I not. think, but again, I think that that's the movie isn't really like when we've had this conversation, like it's, it's not really about jazz it's not, music. Yeah. It's about uh, obsession and mm-hmm. uh, self-worth and um, abuse more than anything else. Yeah. Really. It, and it's using, it's using this kind of thing that's looked at like, oh, it's so pretty on the outside, jazz music. Oh, mm-hmm. it's so honorable and look at it. And it's like been around forever. And it's just like, mm, you're talented if you're a jazz musician and you can make it. Mm. And it's using these kind of social statuses of what an audience would believe jazz music and a jazz musician is. Right. And someone being like, you know, the, the movie is like, like our main character is like an absolute asshole. Yeah. And his, his, <laughs> You know, like J.K. Simmons is not the bad guy of this movie. Like the bad guy of this movie is the world, essentially, that doesn't expect too much right. from these two characters, but they expect the world from themselves and each other. Yeah. And and he because like, you know, J.K. Simmons isn't really the bad guy. He's more like the uh, he's more like the Obi-Wan Kenobi. You yeah. know, he's just a dick. About right, it, where right, it's like yeah. he's like throwing shit at people's heads and stuff and. I think it's, you know, the movie is much more a, is much more interested in discussing like obsession and, uh, you know, taking things a little too far. I think one of the big things about that, that a buddy of mine pointed out was uh, uh, that his favorite drummer isn't like, you know, this like extremely well-known talented drummer. It's Buddy Rich, which Buddy Rich is, you know, very well-known and very talented. Yeah. But Buddy Rich is really known for being an asshole. Yeah. I don't know if you've ever heard oh, of yeah. He's The Rants. Like, yeah, The Rants. He's like, yeah. it's, it's, his shows are like a third stand-up comedy <laughs> where he's just roasting people like in the audience and it's in his funny. band. And like those, if you ever listen to those rants, it definitely like... And you compare it to J.K. Simmons. 100%. It's like, yeah, that's 100%. exactly it. And it's like all of his jokes and stuff that he says or like his riffs, like they're very like full metal jackety. They're yeah. just like, there's no Butterfinger bar down there, Porky Pig. Like he's doing this shit that's like, 
I don't want to go so far as to say that he never insults their musical talent. He usually just goes no. for things that are very obvious, that are very physical, or he goes a little deeper with some of them where, like, you know, he learns things about he, uh, the the main character, uh, Andrew, right? Mm-hmm. He learns things about him where, like, his dad and his mom, and he uses that. Yeah, to, like, right. That's the best part is, like, have you ever seen the short film that this movie was based off of? No. So Damien Chazelle pretty much wrote a wrote and directed the short film is essentially that first big JK Simmons scene where he, where everybody's getting ready to play and he comes in and he like throws a thing at him and he's yeah. like, starts slapping him one, two, three, four. Wait, am I dragging this? It's that whole thing. It's JK Simmons playing the guy. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's another actor playing uh, the Andrew part. Who's uh, I think he's the guy that plays like young Neil in the Scott Pilgrim movies. Like, he's also, like, kind of famous. Okay. It's, like, a, not a nobody. Right. But it's, like, and then they built off of that for this. Uh, and the the whole, everything about J.K. Simmons' is like insults that he's giving is, like, they're either, like, really funny, but also super sad, which this is the same thing with Full Metal mm-hmm. Jacket, mm-hmm. especially in hindsight, and, like, you know where it goes. Yeah. And, like, watching Whiplash a second time and knowing that, um, you know, the the quote unquote porky pig character that he's not out of uh um tune. Right. Yeah. It's not him. It's the guy like just a couple seats down, but seeing that he's still just like getting at him and it's oh, the fact that he didn't know is even worse. Like yeah. there's fun stuff like that that's again, I think, kind of heightened musical stuff. Yeah. I think that's actually like a um Actually, now that we're talking about it, it it, it makes sense. That's like, why we're here, baby. I know. Yeah. <laughs> you, want some, you want some more ice in there, buddy? Oh, you know, ice me up. Baby. <laughs> yeah, there you go. I'm making nice and cool for you. <laughs> I take a little ice too. Yeah, I get a little bit more jam there. <laughs> I'm behaving myself. I have to get naughty. Yeah. Yeah. That's what the fans are here for. <laughs> What's he gonna do next? Well, um, yeah. What was I gonna say? Yeah, um, that scene actually, like, watching it the second time, and like you said, like that kind of spoke to me as far as like a musician's process of like, or I don't know. I guess there isn't a process, but it. I think eventually, like, any artist, any good artist or musician kind of has to, their ego has to die Yeah. at some point. And I think him pointing out those, those you know, little personality traits or whatever about those musicians, um, it, it, it that is essentially what he's doing. He's kind of breaking down their ego. He's trying to, you know, crack them. And if they, you know, he obviously the guy who he, you know, calls out in that scene, he can't take it. He leaves. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that is like kind of symbolic of, uh, you know, kind of how aware you have to be of your your ego as a musician. And, um, you know, just being honest and, you know, being able to assert yourself in a situation like where he could have said, no, I'm not, I'm not out of tune, mm-hmm. you know, but and that's, this is the same thing as like in the military. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, it's like drill, like drill sergeants or chiefs as they are and like other things like they, their whole job is to break you down mm-hmm. and then build you back up 
as the version of yourself that they need you to be. They isolate what you're good at. You're right. good at talking to people. That means you should be like a yeoman, which is somebody who like is like an intermediary between the leadership and the crowd. And, yeah. You know, or like, oh, you're you're more of like you're super athletic and energetic. You should be the one that's in charge of PT, which is physical training and stuff like that. You should do all that. Right. They isolate where you are of what you're supposed to be specifically in a military situation. Mm-hmm. So thinking about like an ensemble kind of like like an army right. is like he's figuring out exactly like these are the weapons that you guys have. Um, not necessarily weapons in the vein of like guns and stuff like that, but this is what you're good at. This is what you're isolated to. And he's trying to, I love too that it's like once he finds Andrew, the whole drummer thing becomes a thing where he's just fucking with him. Yeah. Where he's like, right. I'm going to bring in the drummer that I knew that you were playing with over at like, um, where is he before Schaefer? He's at a, well, no, that was still all Schaefer, right? It was just a different band, right? Was it? I think so. Like No Honk or... Um... Oh, was it? Either way. I, I think that they're like, he's at the conservatory, but like he's in a different level. Yeah. Like, and he moves up and now all of a sudden yeah. he's in there. Yeah. A squeaker. A squeaker. Yeah. J.K. Simmons is so good in this movie, real quick. <laughs> like we have to admit like yeah. he's great. And uh, Miles Teller that plays Andrew... Uh, he's great in this movie. I don't like that actor all that much, but I think that because he's a fucking asshole and the movies where he plays a fucking asshole, it works better because like when he's Miles Teller, Miles Teller. Yeah. Okay. He's Andrew. Yeah. Like he's also in fantastic four where he plays Reed Richards, but Reed Richards comes off as an asshole in that movie because he's played by Miles Teller. Right. And he's also in like uh fault in our stars or something like that. He's in one of those movies. I think it's fault in our stars. Where he's like, it's like a walk to remember type movie. I haven't seen it. I should see it. Everybody tells me I need to see it. But he's like supposed to be this like butthead at school. And then he gets charmed by like a sick girl. Okay. And then like he becomes a better person because of it. But like, I don't see myself liking him at all. Because like, I like him in this movie because you're not supposed to like him. The ending of this movie is is not good. It is a very sad ending where these two egos are about to continue to fuel one another. Yeah. And I really love how it's like the the editing and everything kind of starts cutting closer and closer in on just <laughs> Miles Teller and J.K. Simmons completely leaving the rest of the band out of it. It like literally puts them in the dark. Yeah. And it becomes mainly just about them two and their relationship. I mean, and that what whole last scene is it's like if I paid money to go see a concert. And that happened? Yeah. Like, yeah, it's just like, okay, sure, great. Like, why would you purposely, like, just embarrass this person in front of, like, this paying crowd? Well, no, and like- I think I think that's because I don't think that um, J.K. Simmons' character, uh, what's his fucking name? Fletcher. Fletcher, yeah. yeah. Uh, I don't think that Fletcher cares about his reputation. I think that that's why he takes these chances on these kids right. and just puts them up there and goes like, whatever, like you're done. Like, But it's like you sp- he's spending the whole, you know, time. Well, like- and that's his revenge. Like he, you see him, he's, he's the happiest he's ever been where he's like, yeah, like the, it sucks. It's bad because the kid doesn't know what he's doing. But yeah. he's just like, yeah, like getting into it with everybody else and just lets it keep going because he knows that he's getting his revenge for what this, like, from his point of view, this little shit did to him. Right. Yeah. But in actuality, like, they just did the exact same thing to one another. You yeah. know, like, he, he like, let him continue to play, like, when he was all bloody and shit like that mm-hmm. after the car crash. Mm-hmm. He let him do that knowing full well what was going to happen because he knew that he couldn't stop him at that point. Yeah. And 
I love that they try to like de asshole these kid the, these two characters. Mm. In, like you know what I mean by that? Like they try and present Fletcher as like, yeah, I lost my job. You're playing piano. This club, you know, I just, I just, I just want these guys. We, we kind of have to talk about because that scene, yeah. no, please, is hilarious. Yeah, go, like, yeah, go. he's well, because he, you know, he's they're in this big band setting for the first half of the movie, and it's like, you know, he's very strict. They're playing these really fast tunes and uh, really high energy, and then you go and to this scene, and it's like he's playing elevator music. <laughs> elevator music you say yeah it's just like the a, most simple like i think there's a place for the type of music that he's playing oh so wait do you, you mean like uh like musician wise like it's not you don't have to be aggressively talented to be, to be able to play the music that he's playing what in that in that in the in the bar in scene, scene in the club scene no i'm not suggesting that okay. um but at least the recording that they had for that for that scene is just like very bland it's Ooh. yeah i mean as far as Deep like a ballad goes recording they had for it because it's a movie i know i know so there's like so that no so that made me think like what what was the you know point of that like why would you want this bland music over this, this i think scene? he's supposed to be sad and it, but, i think it's more like table setting for like the conversation they're about to have where right, miles right. is not intimidated by him Andrew is not intimidated by him anymore that he's like, he, he thinks that he's won. He thinks that, and Fletcher knows this because he says the whole thing. He's like, yeah, pretty sure a classmate of Sean Ashes or whatever yeah, back yeah. then, like he, he gets it down to like, let him let his guard down right. and just reels him in. And that's far more interesting to me than the music that's going on. Oh, sure. But as a musician, you can't help but notice, I, like, wait, yeah. this guy that we're supposed to think is... This, like, amazing... Is yeah. yeah. No. That's why you're the perfect guy to talk about with, with this movie. Because <laughs> uh, you, at first, you were like, why do you want to talk to me on a podcast about movies? Like, I don't know anything about movies. I'm <laughs> like, you have a specific idea about this. Because there's probably tons of podcasts out there with hosts that, like like movies and are also musicians because like, right. let's be honest, like musicians have a lot of time on their hands. <laughs> That's funny. See, That's I'm good. getting saucy now. Yeah. Yeah. That's all right. I'm, I'm used to that. I can handle it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I yeah, wasn't no, no, yeah, say, yeah, go, go. No, the, um, the end of that, uh, or no, that, that, that scene, I, I was thinking to myself, like, why would they play this like boring ass elevator music? Like, and then I realized there's a scene, there's a little cut where like um, J.K. Simmons, I think, is actually playing the piano, like the part that's, you know, I, I, I haven't like, you know, sat down and tried to like, mm -hmm. tran like look at his fingers and transcribe anything. But um, I think he it might be possible that J.K. Simmons, you know, has a little bit of proficiency in in the Probably. piano and like you know they actually use that scene the rest of it though like the camera goes up and you don't see his hands of course when it's like a little bit more of a uh -huh. you know plays a more nuanced kind of line yeah a, and maybe they kind of kept it simple just to like just so that he could do that mm -hmm. yeah true sure I, I i think it i think it also works too that it's like it's supposed to be a somber moment yeah he's a beaten man he's defeated but or it wasn't he? even a somber song though it was like <laughs> yeah, no, no, it was no. like this bossa nova kind of. Yeah. Well, it's it's a little slowed down, but it's also a little like mm, 
like how life goes on kind of thing thematically with the movie. Yeah. Where it's like, it's making you not, it's getting you ready to not be as afraid of him as you have been for the rest of the movie. Yeah. So that you trust him when he starts saying these things. Right. Where he opens up. But also in that scene, like when you see, when you look in the background and you see the audiences, oh. like the extras reactions to the music, they're just like, you know, like there's one girl in the back just like, oh yeah, this is great. Cool. And it's just the lamest, <laughs> like the lamest like bossa nova that you would just hear in like an elevator mm-hmm. at you know, an office building or something. Well, uh, like bouncing off of that. Yeah. Uh, Cause we're probably getting to the end of our whiplash conversation here. Um, what do you think? So miles Teller went to like, you know, like a kind of band camp boot camp kind of thing to like learn how to play the drums. Oh yeah. A little bit more eclectically perhaps uh-huh. so, so that he could do stuff in like certain wide shots and everything. Because one of the big one of the big things about this movie is the editing and how it'll go from mm-hmm. wide to like uh, close, and it kind of works to the movie's advantage. Where it's like, oh, it can show close-ups of hands and playing without showing Miles Teller's face, yeah, because it's somebody else doing it. Yeah, but it also works for the flow of the movie as like we get in close. It's very Hitchcockian as we get in closer and closer. We become more compact and becomes more tense. Yeah, more real. We're right there. Like at any moment, yeah. you know, we could bleed from it, kind of thing. Um, but he did, he did do uh, a bunch of training and stuff. So how does, how does his drumming look like, you know, from afar up close and stuff like that? Yeah. Um, there's definitely scenes where it's really intense and, uh, I think it's, he probably, you know, had those like tracks that he had to listen to and probably base some of his movements. Like his movements definitely match the intensity of the music However, there was a lot of parts where you could see that, you know, he definitely wasn't playing what was, mm-hmm. you know, what you were hearing. Um, well, to you, probably not to me. Oh, okay. Well, well yeah, like, to me. Yeah. I look at somebody playing drums well, no, and yeah. I'm like, well, it doesn't matter how there's, hard you hit the thing, it's going to make the noise. Well, there's right? even yeah. a scene where he drops the stick and then oh, yeah. some, things, he some things happen that you would definitely need two sticks to do. Oh, look at you but, over here. Yeah. So I, I, I noticed that. But I do have to say the, the really funny thing was... Uh, my favorite thing was the when he would go and practice after being, you know, like put down or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, that was just hilarious for me because it, with the scene where he's bleeding and everything, it's like, I don't know, maybe there are drummers out there who have put in so much work that they cause themselves to bleed. I mean, I've seen plenty of right. like punk drummers but who go so hard. This that is definitely more the, the obsession kind of thing, you know, but like they're, they're taking, they're taking something yeah. that is like, you know, a profession yeah. and they're like, this guy goes too far. Like it's, it's more about him than it is about drumming. Uh, it's just, yeah. Yeah. But it's, it's just really funny to watch. Cause it's like, he's, he's really trying to get into, playing this tune whiplash and and caravan which mm-hmm. is a really the caravan is the one i think that really where he's like fuck fuck yeah fuck the yeah fucking fuck yeah yeah exactly but you've done that to yourself about certain things not drumming specifically though like you've you've been trying to do something like get a screw in or like oh yeah do like like get, get like doing something technical where it's like not working you're like motherfucker yeah like that's what it is and it's because this is the only thing that he cares about yeah 
it's the only time we see him reacting emotionally. Every time he's talking to his girlfriend or his dad or mm-hmm. anybody else's family, he's just like this emotionless piece of shit. Yeah. Which I know tons of jazz musicians like that. Um, and and he just doesn't care, but it's when the jazz music is happening. Yeah. Even when he's talking about jazz music, yeah. he's kind of emotionless. Like he's he's more doing it to impress. Yeah. You right, know, and right. that's all in his character where it's like, does he really care about the music or does he care about impressing everybody? Yeah. And that's yeah. Fletcher is like the ultimate version of the person he wants to impress. If he can impress this man, then he can impress anybody. He won't just be great. He'll be one of the greats. He'll be one of the people that impressed Fletcher. Of course. Yeah. And so him just being like, come on, why can't I connect to the fucking Wi-Fi? Like that kind of like, but with drumming, like it's, it's like the only time that he really opens up and like becomes this raw nerve that he can be affected emotionally. Yeah. It's like the equivalent of smashing your computer because you can't get the 100%, Wi-Fi to work. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Cuz you know, from my perspective like watching it, it's like okay, even if you did want to play that fast, you can't be that tense. You can't and like no one holds the stick where it's going to like rip that part of your flesh okay. like yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. it's no, like no, no, it's okay. You know, yeah. there's more finger control and and things like that that like it, it, that would just never happen. So it's really funny. But like, that's a good spot to put it. Like, no, 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 no. no. For like audiences, oh, that don't understand because the they go because oh, yeah, we yeah. all know what you're like. Ooh, don't don't get that. Ooh, yeah. Ah. Like yeah. they're like, oh, the blister there. Don't do that because yeah. they've all had blisters there from like turning screws or trying, trying to, to get the Wi-Fi. The Wi-Fi. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, we're on the same page here. We got this. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Cheers! Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Doing, Wi-Fi. Yeah. It's going pretty good. How do you think it's going so far? <laughs> this is good. This is fun. This is good, right? Yeah. Going better than you thought. Yeah. Oh. Did you think I was just gonna mess with you the whole time? Just wait till the second half, though. I'm gonna make. Oh, the, total I mean, the second myself. half. That's why I wanted to do this one first because I feel like the second half we're gonna be <laughs> way more loosey goosey. Yeah. If you can believe it, listener. Um, you got anything else to say on Whiplash? I feel like we should wrap it up. Um, I think. I want to thank you uh-huh. for, you know, getting me to watch the movie and look at it from what the, I do. The, the big picture perspective, you know, like looking at all the themes. And I think cinematography, 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 I like C- way better. <laughs> that, okay, <laughs> we'll go with that. Cinematography wise. Cinema. Yeah, I'm not even going to say it. Fuck it, cinematography. <laughs> great, great uh, use of that. Uh, really cool you know, camera angles and shots like that. And oh, the movie's the the movie's a perfect movie in the in the technical sense. It's shot yes. well. It's lit amazing. It's acted very well. It's edited like a fucking champ. It's one of the best edited movies I've ever seen. Yeah, I think you know before we even talked about doing this, and you brought up Whiplash and La La Land and all these things. I, also, I am, very well edited movie. Yeah, I'm sure. It's great. Um, <laughs> we should watch La La Land together. Okay. Yeah. Well, I we could watch it in this room. Like, I, we could do a do private it. screening, just me and you, some popcorn, Ooh. a couple Tom Collins. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know. I guess what I was going to say was that, um, you know, there are these, those two movies that, you know, came out in the last couple of years have kind of like painted a picture of jazz music in American society that, you know, it's like, yes, this is a, essentially a Rocky for drummers or, or the Rocky. Great of music, analogy. Totally. Music. That's exactly yeah. what it is. Yeah. Cause boxing is like 
before Rocky, boxing wasn't really taken all that seriously. It was an American pastime kind of thing, kind of in the same way jazz music is. Right. But it was like Rocky, it was like it, Rocky's not about boxing. Mm-hmm. Rocky is about overcoming Triumph the things the that you think that you're not supposed to do or that you're not allowed yeah. to do that the world says you can't have yeah. and being able to achieve those things. It's the exact same thing, only it's the inverse. It's the darker. It's the what if trying to reach for your dreams is not a good thing. Right. And right. that you're doing it for all of the wrong reasons and you're you're a bad, bad no-no person. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And in that sense, it's, you know, it's a it's a great movie. And uh but you know, I mean, I guess I don't know how else you would like convey what it actually like the spiritual and I don't know, like the the path of a musician and like being a or or specifically a jazz musician because you're improvising and and creating and you know i as far as like conservatories go, it's like a lot of that a lot of that gets lost the uh you know the spiritual side of playing or just being like connected to the moment and doing that you know like it gets it gets uh, mixed up in you know trying to be perfect and all of that so i don't i don't i hate to see that kind of message kind of portrayed to the mass you know, the masses mm-hmm. of like what being a jazz musician is. Yeah. Because I think that kind of theology kind of just needs to die. Right. And well, and that's, I think that's one of like the big misconceptions of the movie is that it is about like, oh, this is what it is. Right. And it's like, no, it's using that as a thing. Like being a boxer is not what, like Rocky is not what being a boxer is like. That's right. not how it yeah. works. Yeah. You don't just, you don't just train for five months and get one of the biggest shows you've ever had in your life. And then. Yeah. skyrocket from there. Like, but for, you know, a child to watch that movie, if, mm-hmm. if a child is watching, a child's watching allowed to watch yeah. it, you know, or I'd any, love to, maybe I should know, do that. I'll interview a seven year old watching with West <laughs> next week. Be like, so what did you think? <laughs> boring. <laughs> Nothing happens. <laughs> yeah. But I don't know. I guess just, you know, I guess as far as like the masses, you know, outlook of, you know, what jazz is, I feel like that's something that's worth talking about because a lot of people just kind of have this, oh, it's jazz, it's fucking, it's weird, it's, yeah. you know, and, yeah, and but we're also not like looking at it like... Jazz musicians like that, to a certain extent. I think so, They kinda, like being in, kinda. like, this kind of special club, which is fine. Anybody can like that. Like you, Well, if, I think it, that was, like, a natural byproduct of jazz you know, and in its early years and how 100%. Yeah. yeah, I don't think I think that that is something. Yeah. A lot of like young musicians can, you know, leech onto is that kind of elitist kind of thing. But at the end of the day, it's like we're all we're all on different parts of the journey. We're all going to play music differently. We're we're not all meant to be in that that perfect big band. You know, maybe we have something else to say. And, uh, you know, I feel like that, that, that message is lost in a lot of schools. Um, but of course, academic, you know, what's the word? Academia Academia. is, is definitely necessary for informing, you know, your abilities as a musician. Yeah. I, it's the whole, I, the whole argument of against like academia and stuff like that, or, or rather, I guess my argument alongside it in, 
in support of is you got to know the rules to break them like, exactly. sort of thing where it's yeah. like learn as absolutely as much as you can in the time that you're being that you're mm -hmm. able to like I was only able to go to a certain school for film school for a certain amount of time right and only take certain classes so I took classes twice or three times with different teachers in that because I tried to grab as much as I could mm -hmm. and then just to be able to learn as much as I could and then I've learned pretty much everything else just from books and stuff like that and just like uh, contemporary stuff to be able to try and figure out exactly like how were people thinking about editing in the seventies and how are they thinking about it now? Right, right. And just trying to compare those and find somewhere in between where mm -hmm. I'm comfortable working. Yeah. And that's like editing is probably like the closest thing for me uh, as far as like being like a musician or being talented in something where it's like, it just comes very naturally to me for editing, right? which sucks for movies uh, that I watch because I can't help but notice the editing. Right. Yeah. And unfortunately some of the most funnest movies in the world have some of the worst editing. Yeah. <laughs> I have held back on talking about the editing in Endgame very heavily just because I, in I enjoy the movie. I know what the movie is. I dig it. Uh, the, the editing in that movie is just like, guys, guys, everybody <laughs> calm the fuck down here. Um, but let's get off of whiplash. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm glad we were able to talk about it. Uh, we're going to take a quick break real quick. And when we come back, we're going to be talking about the Lion King, but also, uh, just kind of, you've got a really interesting thing that you want to talk about, like using the Lion King as a springboard. I think people... Stick around for our quick little snippets on The Lion King and what we have to say about it, but definitely stay around for the conversation that we want to have that's, that we're using The Lion King as a springboard to get to. Uh, we've held off talking about it like <laughs> in person with each other just yeah. because we're like, save it. And so that's going to be really fun. So um, we'll be right back after this quick commercial break. Welcome to another episode of It's Fits, where Story Screen's own film laureate, Brian Robert Fitzgibbons, speaks on a film. Today, Fitz will discuss the HBO series, Game of Thrones. That's not a movie. How does my voice sound? Do I sound like a fucking good. weirdo? Nope, you're doing great. It's not great. It's not a movie, it's uh what do you call that? A show on HBO? Didn't like it at first. Not gonna spoil anything, but I didn't like it at first. I was watching it by myself for a while, didn't think I was gonna watch it. And then I, you know, I mustered up I got it together and I watched the rest of season one and then all of a sudden I was hanging out with friends and watching this shit and it became this whole thing and I don't have to fuck. I don't have to finish it. I don't like dragons. This has been another episode of It's Fits. And welcome back. Uh, so we had another. Another film that we wanted to talk about, but not specifically just that film. And I hope we don't trick people that have clicked onto this because they saw it was Whiplash slash The Lion King. We are going to talk about The Lion King a little bit here. Um, but uh, 
we wanted to use the Lion King mainly as a springboard to kind of talk about something that's a little bit more interesting. There's a there's a lot of podcasts out there probably covering the Lion King. It's one of the most celebrated animated movies of all time, if not the most. Uh, I think it's definitely made the most amount of money than anything, like with just like what it is. And, you know, uh, I don't think we're going to really touch on a bunch of stuff for it because we do have like the re-release coming out soon. This summer, we get the 2019 like live action Lion King, which looks like a nightmare, but looks really good at the same time. But like it looks like a nightmare, like a little <laughs> too much. Um, but uh, we wanted to kind of use this as a springboard uh, to talk about something that was a little bit more interesting. But so real quick, let's talk about the Lion King. Uh, I like the Lion King. Uh, I think it's a, a really fun, good movie. Uh you know, based off of Hamlet aside and you know, the fact that it kind of ripped off uh, uh, Kimba the White Lion. Or anything, are you familiar with that yeah, thing yeah. too? Yeah, it's like that's all conversations to be had at like a later date unless you're interested in having those right now. Um, interesting. I did not rewatch The Lion King for this because as the Disney vault goes, it was very hard to track down. I thought I had a copy. I did not. Yeah. And in order to be able to watch it streaming, you have to buy it, which it's only $13. It's not a big deal. Um, but I was trying to figure out a way up until the last moment yesterday to, be, I found a VHS copy at like a Goodwill. I bought that and I was trying to find a VCR that I could use because my VCR broke yeah. and I went to like a Salvation Army I went to a, uh, went to like another Goodwill. I was going all over the place yesterday trying to find a VCR to be able to watch it. I ended up remembering that I have like a VHS DVD player combo TV up in my attic that I used for like uh, a screening last summer. And so I was like, oh, I could just do that. And I plugged it in and I put the tape in there and like the TV just completely crapped out after being <laughs> on for about two minutes before I could even start the movie. Wouldn't let me eject the, the, the tape anymore. Okay. So now I'm going to have to take this thing apart to get my Lion King VHS back. <laughs> so I wasn't able to watch it. I tried. Um, but I think the Lion King is, especially for people of our age, yeah. it's kind of ingrained. We remember what it is. Oh, yeah. um, and again, we were just going to lightly touch on it uh, to be able to go to something else. So mm -hmm. um, I like The Lion King. Uh, I think Jonathan Taylor Thomas was done dirty. Uh, <laughs> not in The Lion King, but just overall. And uh, Matthew Broderick, you know, he's in it. James right. Old Jones is in it. Jeremy Irons is in it. Um, yeah. What, what what do you got about The Lion King, dude? Um uh, well, I didn't watch it either uh -huh. leading up to this, but, you know, like you said, it, it's kind of just for people our generation, a, uh, a you know, a staple. Um, and uh, I mean, yeah, as a kid, you know, it's a it's a great movie. Um, entertaining, you know, uh, I think as I got older, I kind of started to. I, I think I got older and I kind of just, you know, had this kind of, well, I don't, I don't watch Disney movies anymore. I don't need to watch that. I'm, I'm older now. I don't, I don't identify with this, this kid shit, you know? Oh, really? Well, that's just. I, I like Disney movies. Well, no, I think that's just kind of like a you little pubescent okay. thing that I went through, you know? Um, but I think what's interesting 
for me now, like looking back on it and it's kind of like what I want to talk about mm-hmm. is the kind of just the bigger picture, the the underlying message that is behind that movie and also a plethora of other Disney movies and also just big like conglomerate, you know, movie makers like the message that I tend to observe it's not always necessarily the same thing but it's kind of just like this overarching like story like the human story and within it there are so many like parallels to um like old magic and occult symbolism and like all these things from like ancient human history that you know, I think just get overlooked because mm-hmm. it's this flashy kids movie and there's a lot of bells and whistles. Um, but The Lion King, um, yeah, it, you know, it, I, I actually didn't realize like the whole Hamlet parallel until, you know, we started talking about doing this and mm-hmm. doing some research and stuff like that. I never really realized that, but that is like kind of, a part of what I'm talking about, I think. Um, and uh, I, I, I don't know. I guess like going back and trying to analyze like the overall message of The Lion King, it's like I feel like I it's just something I never understood as a kid. Which is like, what would you say The Lion King is about? Like in that, through that lens. Well, I... I I would say it's and and a lot of a lot of people would actually uh, agree about this is that it's kind of a indoctrination for for you know what people who watch the movie and kids to like understand this like natural order a circle of life the yes. circle of life yeah um However, I don't, you know, it's like I can't fully agree with everything that they're portraying, you know, like this, you know, uh, Simba is born and he's, you know, he's told that one day he's going to rule all of this. Like this will be his. Mm -hmm. And it's like because because of his. Yeah. Because of his natural order, Mm -hmm. you know, not because of anything that he's done. No. Or just the bloodline. Yeah. That's all it is. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Which, if you if you look up any kind of like conspiracy things, conspiracy theory things, it's like you're gonna find like oh the bloodline in like through of like George Washington through the presidential history and you know all these other things that like conspiracy theories theorists uh, t- talk about and um, and you can see this in a lot of Disney movies. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just, I, I don't know. I think that's, I think it's fascinating that no one's questioning it or, you know, really talking about that. I think it's like, uh, I think people are noticing it and I think that they are, they're kind of questioning it in the, in the sense of like, you know, like Kimba and the white lion is a great example of that, where it's like, you know, this was something that was written a very long time ago Mm -hmm. and they were trying to make a live uh, like a, an animated movie around the same time the Lion King was coming out, but they didn't have as much money and it ended up coming out like 
you know, uh, three years or whatever after uh, The Lion King had come out, even though they started making it at the same time because Disney had the power to be able to do it. And right. they weren't going to sue Disney because Disney has like the greatest lawyers in the world and they're big, they're Disney and they can. It's the thing that like I've been talking about with how like Disney for a time there and even still to a certain point now was a little aggressive and maybe a little like, you know, they were always focusing on uh, adapting older stories into like their own version, like Snow White, The Little mm-hmm. Mermaid, things like this. Mm-hmm. And The Lion King was like their first one that we were like, it's completely original and and based off of really nothing like Hamlet's in there. And there's some Shakespearean tragedy kind of stuff. But, yeah. Like, it's its own thing. And you've never seen anything like it before. And you 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 look at, you know, the 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 spec the, the spec like uh, drawings and stuff for everything, and you 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 put that next to Kimba the White Lion, and you're like, these are exactly the same. The story is exactly the same. Um, you rip these guys off, but they did it because they knew that that company would not be able to touch them because the Lion King came out right pretty much at the end of the the golden age, essentially of Disney animated movies. Mm. Like they had Little Mermaid, they had Aladdin, mm-hmm. they had. Uh, um, uh, Beauty and the Beast and they had Lion King like they were untouchable like they right. they had just like grown into an even bigger powerhouse than anybody could have thought that they would ever become and that has just continued up until right now where like they're still in the stages of kind of redefining how we ingest movies and like the fact that we couldn't get the Lion King just to rent or anything like that it's very yeah. hard to track it down and that's the Disney Vault thing and that's like now that they've acquired 20th Century Fox they're starting to take all the 20th Century Fox movies off of renting and stuff like that very slowly, right. making it so that you can't do revival screenings and stuff at like an independent theater, which I'm learning right now as I'm trying to like book certain 20th Century Fox uh, throwback films like for anniversaries or just like because time wise it, it makes sense. And I'm starting to I'm, I'm getting some pushback on stuff that normally it would just go right through because they'd be like, yeah, sure. Give us some money for this movie that we made 40 years ago. Right. Um And there's a certain sense to that that is a business sense, and you can't knock them for that. They are a business. And we do not own these things. You do not, we do not own The Lion King. Disney does. If Disney wants to say you have to pay $13 to be able to watch it as much as you want for the rest of your life or until that platform of that streaming is now gone, um, you have to do that or you don't watch it. It's up to you. Right. And it's, they're allowed to do that. Mm -hmm. And I think it's because they own so many beloved properties that they can be kind of looked at as like these kind of bad guys. Yeah. But it's also in the sense like things like Kimba and the white lion and like certain people that were, you know, like uh, excommunicated from all of these uh, different projects and stuff because they didn't fall in line with Disney's idea. The whole firing of James Gunn last year from like Guardians of the Galaxy 3 because a bunch of white supremacists like found some old tweets that he had made when he was like a little shit kicker and like trying to be an asshole on Twitter and like making these really inexcusable bad remarks about certain um, taboo things Mm. like rape and pedophilia and stuff like that. Like, Mm And they were like, we don't want to be associated with that. But then they they hired him back because they realized, like, maybe this was coming from the wrong spot and that's not who this guy is. Mm. Maybe he should be a part of this family. And it's it's a very touchy, nuanced situation. Yeah. And I, and I feel like that's the kind of thing that... Um, <laughs> 
I have like a guilty obsession with like conspiracy theories and um, yeah, you were saying before you're like I don't want to come across as like some like tinfoil hat wearing yeah. dude like and I was like no nah, you're gonna be fine <laughs> no not a lot of people like know that about me and it's kind of just this guilty pleasure when I'm alone and bored I just kind of like look up these things because I I you know it's not necessarily that I wholeheartedly believe in them it's just the fact that it's an opposition to what i've been told my whole life yeah so it you know it's entertaining and also um really uh, just really fascinating and i think like you know regarding the whole james james gunn is that his name um you know i there's i you probably you go on YouTube or you go online and there's probably some conspiracy theory behind that, oh, especially absolutely. if it's regarding pedophilia and stuff like that, because that's what a lot of these conspiracy it's theories talk about. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a big thing. I mean, you know, I'm sure you've seen like the interview of um, what's his name? Uh, Corey Feldman. Oh, yeah. Right. Yeah. You know, like all these people. With the like, Michael Jackson kind of, uh, is that what you're talking about? It wasn't specifically the Michael Jackson thing, no. It was, uh, he was just talking about pedophilia in right. the movie industry. Well, and that's when the Michael Jackson documentary came out on HBO, um, right. Leaving Neverland. Like they asked him about it because they knew that he was like a, a confidant of Michael Jackson and he's always spoken very highly of him. And they're like, what do you think about all these like new things that have come out? And like that's. Was this in the, the, the documentary? It wasn't in the documentary. Uh, like after the documentary was released, uh, the two-parter on HBO, mm-hmm. uh, like a news organization got Corey Feldman on air and asked him about it. And like, what do you, does this change your mind on it? And he's like, look, I have no idea if any of this is true or if any of this isn't true. I think that we should believe people that say this stuff, which is, that's just the answer that you should give. Uh-huh. Like believe until disproven kind of thing. Right. Um, you know, legal ramifications aside, like those can come later. That's we are not the judges of that. We are the judges of our own opinions. Yeah. Um, but he also says he's like the time that I spent with Michael Jackson, I don't I never saw any of this. Mm-hmm. Is he lying? Who knows? Yeah. Uh, and even if he's not like who cares kind of thing. Like it's it's if Michael Jackson did do something wrong, then there's really nothing that we can do about it at this point, but we should know. And that's how these documentaries kind of work is that they kind of get it out there right. and we can all discuss about it and try and figure it out. It, well, it's, there, it's a very, it's a very touchy line to there tell. There is an interesting thing about, cause I didn't watch the whole documentary, but recently my friends were watching it and I kind of, you know, just saw a little bit of it, but I did see somebody make the point that um, it was actually uh, Michael Jackson's drummer. Uh, John Moffat, I think he po- he posted something regarding like, um, or no, it wasn't John Moffat. It was uh, some Michael Jackson impersonator. He's a huge fan. And he points out that, um, what's it, that his, the kid makes, the, the kid who made the documentary, the guy who made the documentary or whatever, whose idea it was, he didn't confess all these things until 2013. But if you look in that in that documentary, there's a part where his mother says, like, when, you know, Michael Jackson died in 2009 and she's she says, like, oh, when I found out that he died, I was just so relieved that he wasn't going to hurt anybody. But that was in 2009. Mm-hmm. So it's like, how do you know? How did you know this? If well, your I mean, son he, probably, didn't... he probably told his mom. Well, that's not like brought up. Well, 
Yeah. <laughs> and I, I should also like I, I I have a feeling now that this is gonna go down some holes that yeah. me and you <laughs> wanna talk about. And I should say that these We don't have to. That no no no, I want to, but okay. I, I but I do want to get it on the record that like these uh personal feelings that we both have, whether we counter them with you know like this is what I think or anything like that. This is just our own personal views on this very touchy subject. Yeah. It in no way reflects story screen as a whole. No. It's it's thoughts and views on these things. Um nor my own opinion. Exactly. Yeah, we, it's, we're, it's we're really talking, just like we're talking this out and you know if 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 we say something that um makes any of our listeners uncomfortable or anything like that. We, we beg you to reach out to us and let us know we're not trying to hurt anybody's feelings no. here. We're not trying to, uh, you know, the, the world's problems are not going to be solved in the next 20 minutes <laughs> right here. We're, 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 we're drinking some Tom Collins and we're kind of talking about this idea of conspiracy in medias and how, and how power can kind of, uh, allow you to get away with uh, certain things, even if the entire world knows about it. Right. Yeah. Um, and, and I also personally love Disney. Disney is the best organization out there. They have helped this theater become a very successful thing. They've never been anything but nice to me. I understand certain things that they have done are questionable, but you know, we'll leave it at that. <laughs> and this is just a, this is an educational course in stuff and if anything that we say is uh bad uh we we mean it specifically for entertainment purposes now that we have that out of yes um i will say bringing it back to lion king so like lion king you watch lion king and lion king is kind of like a hamlet story yeah but there's also i i look at it and there are two things that you can take from it you can take from it the circle of life idea where it's like you know, here is your new king that was born just because of blood. Look upon all of the people that bow before you and you are going to eat them. Like yeah. they are there for you to eat. And that is what it is. Mm hmm. And then they get that that character kind of in a Buddha sense gets humbled. Yeah. Outside with like a bunch of stoners out in the middle of the jungle. Yep. 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 And then comes back and uh, is still unwary of himself because he has been taught that. He thinks that he killed Mufasa. He thinks he's the reason that his dad died. And so he feels ashamed and he's like, I don't deserve to go over there. He doesn't know what's going on. It's Hakuna Matata. It's fuck, fuck it. it. Yeah. I don't fucking care. <laughs> I don't fucking care. Yeah. And it takes, you know, uh, an old friend of his to like come back and be like, no, you're the rightful, like you're a better person than the person that's in charge right now. And you have a right. You should go. There's well, they that. also kind of like canoodle a little bit. They canoodle a little and then bit. And she's yeah. like, I want to be queen. Like, nah, sure. I don't <laughs> read that. I think that that can be read in hindsight. Like, I, I think she's more like, like seriously, what's going on over there is bad. And like, you're the one out that we have. And I just like stumbled upon you. Like, you need to go back. Yeah. Kind of thing. Right, right. But I think the more interesting idea is the, um, um, uh, the Rafiki scene. Where, uh, where he hits him on the head and he goes, ow, why'd you do that? And he's like, why does it matter? It's in the past, right? It doesn't matter. Hmm. But I also think that what's in the past and he like goes for him again and, and Simba ducks mm -hmm. and he's like, you can learn from it. And that's, I think that's the better message that the movie is playing. Like mm. if, you know, like if the little mermaid is, uh, like the overall idea of the little mermaid 
is t- trying to tell you that it's like you you shouldn't have to change yourself um, to be happy. But also, if you think changing yourself would make you happier, there's nothing wrong with that. Right. Yeah. You know, there's there's like these very adult ideas mm-hmm. in there that might not stick out to a child watching the movie when they are a child. But it's you think back to it and it does kind of ingrain itself into your decision making as an adult, whether or not you're aware of the idea. Mm-hmm. And then when you are aware of the idea that The Little Mermaid did that, you're like, oh, that's something that I actually believe. And it's like, well, where do you draw the line of when you learn that? Like, yeah. was The Little Mermaid a really good foundation for you to have more experiences in your life to go, ah, yes, yeah. like this? Yeah. I think- if that makes sense. I, I'm being very loosey-goosey with it just because I don't want to uh, insult anybody or or throw any defamation out there. And no. Like this is a professional podcast. Of course. It's professional. And like you were saying, like these are very adult topics, but, um, you know, Disney's um, kind of, you know, their their demographic is little kids who a lot of them like, you know, like for us too, like we grew up kind of just subconsciously absorbing all of this, this material, these messages, and it carried into our, our lives later on. And I think there's, you know, maybe some things that get broken down over time and and uh we realize oh this isn't the fairy tale that we were told as a you know uh-huh. as a child give me give me an example of one that you got on you and let's let's talk about one <laughs> outside of the lion king outside of the lion king um i mean i guess i mean i was going to eventually get into like the you know portray like gender roles and you know portrayal of uh love and and sex within all the you know these disney movies uh i guess you know you could say like cinderella and you know little mermaid all these things it's like there's always like the the male and female counterpart and them coming together you know provides this like climactic like Oh, this was meant to be, you know, this whole thing. And I think that's like an expectation that being instilled on a on a young mind um can be a little damaging because it's, you know, like I think to to have this fairy tale idea of love I I think it's just wish, wishful thinking, you know, to invest so much into one person emotionally you know it's not that one person in reality that one person might not be able to fill all of your expectations they might not be prince charming you know um and then you know that that could lead to like you know just troubles within a relationship Mm -hmm. like later on in life because you know they're expecting this you know let me ask you yeah have you seen frozen no i haven't actually Cheers. Yeah. <laughs> um, you should watch Frozen. Why is that? Uh, Frozen deals with the very specific thing that you're talking about uh, up front. Um, maybe not right away, but it's uh, one of the key plot points. And I don't want to spoil it for anybody who hasn't seen Frozen, especially you right here in front of me. Watch Frozen. It's an hour and a half. It's really good music. You'll fucking love it. And, mm. and they very much do kind of... Um, 
approach that idea, uh, especially of having like your main character be a uh, Disney princess and a Prince Charming kind of thing. And they approach it in like three different ways, all of which are very interesting and all of which culminate in like their own kind of story arcs by the end. Mm. And is also just a very fun, entertaining movie that is both kid friendly. Like that's the thing. Disney doesn't make movies for kids. They make movies that are kid friendly. Yeah. Like, uh, the Lion King did not become the biggest movie of all time when it was released because there was a shit ton of kids out there mm. that helped. It became the biggest blockbuster at that time because it, everybody could get something out of it. It was entertaining to adults, and it was that's why Star Wars mm-hmm. is so big because it, all of these movies are entertaining to children Transcends and their friend, but it's also like yeah. you grew up with it, nostalgia-wise, stuff mm-hmm. like that, but it's the same thing with the original trilogy. The reason that they were so good is like you could bring kids to go see them and it's still really crazy. Like it's mm-hmm. it's it's fun to go watch it as a child and it's fun to grow up learning more and figuring out more about what was going on. Like when you're a kid and, you know, Leia and Han are kissing for the first time and the Empire Strikes Back, you're kind of like, Oh, okay. But then it's just like, we're in an asteroid field. Bam, 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 bam. And you're like, yay. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like, uh, it's it's just very cleverly paced like that. And, you know, Star Wars and certain uh, franchises like that finally becoming, like getting a home at Disney. It just makes a bunch of sense because Disney is the, is an organization that is attempting to push forward what films can be and how they are made, who makes them, all of mm. this different stuff. Like they are they're they are the only ones really out there right now that have the resources and the money and like the the risks on on a plate on the side to be able to throw out there and try new things out. Mm-hmm. They're the only company that could do something like Black Panther and get away with it. Cause they're like, if it doesn't work, it's okay. We're Disney. But it did work, and then they went cha-ching, now we are going to do a bunch more of this. And it really is kind of like, you know, you vote with your dollar kind of thing as far as us audiences go. You you go, everybody went and saw Black Panther, and now we're getting another Black Panther, and we're getting, like, more people of color-led superhero movies on a big budget scale. Mm -hmm. Uh, We're getting more uh, female-led movies. Like, this is something that Disney alone is really attempting to hit on a family-friendly basis. Mm-hmm. You know, Wonder Woman with Patty Jenkins from DC, they saw that Marvel was trying to go there and like like DC usually does, they got in there first real quick to do it. Wonder Woman is a fun, fine film. Captain Marvel's a better movie, in my opinion, uh, just because I think it's more of like a regular movie. They don't really focus too much on the fact that your character is female other than the certain points where they should, where it is important to point that out. Mm. Um, but I digress from that. That's a conversation for a different time. Yeah. Um, but I, I do I do think you should watch Frozen because Frozen uh, really does kind of fix a lot of, or not even fix because we're always going to have movies like that. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, it is a trope of the style and that probably will not be changed for another 50 years just because it's already been around for 100 and it's been proven to make money. People have expressed disdain for it uh, it doesn't make any sense and it's a little rudimentary mm. but they are doing things to kind of change and mix it up and frozen was such a big deal they're making frozen 2 and i'm hoping frozen 2 brings that forward a little more and now that disney is just like an omni god mm. you know they can pretty much get to placate what they want to do have you seen avengers endgame no 
there's a scene in Avengers Endgame that is very, uh, and I won't do any spoilers or anything like that. I know probably everybody listening to this podcast has already seen it, but there's a scene in there that is very specifically hoorah to a certain type of people, but it is played out so on the nose and so aggressively in your face that it's not only a, a hoorah for the people that are in support of it. It is also a very big Mickey Mouse eared covered middle finger to the people who don't <laughs> like certain stuff like that uh-huh. because they're like, this is what we're doing. And, and, you know, and uh, squeak you if you don't dig it. <laughs> like it's, it's a really intense moment in the movie mm. that has been very divisive and stuff like that. Right. Where people are trying to, people on both sides are trying to, negate it or be positive about it Mm. but it's very interesting disney is pushing these things forward as far as like you know doing things that are a little bit more different than how things have been done right and that's all you can ask they can't fix the movies that have been made already yeah but they can try moving forward to maybe not have these kind of uh, populist ideas that are a hindrance to certain cultures and certain Mm. uh, specific uh people Hmm. yeah i i mean that makes sense for disney to move in that in that direction um i think that's where a lot of the the human focus is right now is kind of like on individuality and uh you know gender and all those things um so it makes sense to Capitalizing on that. Well, capitalizing on it, yeah, but also pushing something forward. Yeah. Um, Pandering, they call it. And there's a difference between pandering and capitalizing and, um, I guess, adherence or uh, Mm. just or revolution. You know, like they they are doing stuff that I would say – uh, is is all three of those? Like mm. they are pandering to certain crowds that want to be represented, but they are also at the same time representing these crowds in a way that those crowds feel pleased. Yeah. Otherwise, it wouldn't be pandering, right? Right. And they are also capitalizing on it because they are able to build an empire off of this and make money. Mm. They wouldn't be able to capitalize off it if they weren't doing it correctly. Mm. And it's kind of the nuanced situation of like, are you doing it for the sake of doing it? Or are you doing it because you believe it's right? Well, at the end of the day, that doesn't really matter. Yeah. If you're yeah. doing it, that's good. Yeah. yeah. Doing it for the sake of doing it because you know that it's right is subjective. And anybody from Disney can come out and say that because that's the way that you paint it. Right. You can never prove that. Right. But at the end of the day, if they're doing it alone, that's enough. Right. And if they're showing that you can make money off of doing it and capitalizing on it, more people will start doing it. And that's even better. Hmm. Okay, so that aside, though. Yes. Going back to, like, conspiracy theories. Yes, please. Um, the... Have, okay, so have you seen any of, like, the videos where they point out, like, in Aladdin, there's, um, there's a scene where in the background, it sounds like you can hear the phrase, good teenagers take off their clothes. No, I have not heard of this. You haven't one. heard of this? No. Yeah. Where where does it happen? Do you know? Um, you don't, don't have, have to, yeah. Yeah, I'm not sure which ex- exact scene. Um, it's 
it's like they're on a balcony or something and I think I've heard something about it yeah where it's like the magic carpet scene right before there could teenagers um, just take off their clothes yeah like you hear it in the background and it's weird it, it is really weird I and mean there are all those also, weird things like yeah oh, like the, the penis sex and in the in the, the oh, cover like of Little the Mermaid hot cock <laughs> in Little Mermaid like let's not <laughs> let's not tiptoe around no. that that's exactly what that is <laughs> Yeah, that... Um, you liked that, didn't you? <laughs> you turned red. <laughs> oh, am I? A little bit. Oh, I think it's this this Tom Collins. Oh, this beautiful Tom Collins, yeah. Um. Yeah, so, you know, there's that. There's, like, the sex being written in the stars in The Lion King. Mm-hmm. Um, which, you know, I guess you could... You know, a lot of people have pointed it out. Like, it's happened multiple times where you'll just I think see... That, though, that especially that's, in The that's Lion King. individuals. Yeah. I think that that's people but that are working at Disney who are just like, fuck this shit. And they're right, like, I'm going right. to sneak this in and it's right. going to get by everybody. Okay, so there's another thing, too. Um, there's the reoccurrence of uh, A113. Yeah. You've seen that. That's mainly Pixar, right? Because right, that's, that's where room. Pixar was developed. Yeah, in the room. The right. There's some conservatory. people. The, the, sure. Yeah, look at that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I guess, I mean, you like, yeah, okay. So maybe it, you know, it is the, the room where all of that started, like that conservatory room. There's people who have drawn other parallels to it. Oh, of course, of please, course. Please tell. Um, but it is, you know, it is a numerical uh you, you know sequence and if you study numerology or gematria as they call it um okay you can, <laughs> yeah no you can find like the use of numbers in a lot of like hollywood movies and like if you if you look at their numerological meaning and then look at the scenes that you know they're taking place in you can sometimes like draw some parallels and not and maybe it's not suggesting one specific thing if it is a numerological thing mm-hmm. um but i think it it's there kind of sublimity subliminally to um you know kind of invoke the the person watching um in a sub yeah like a subliminal way that they might not recognize what does the number mean then like what, what do people say? Well, okay, so I'll give you my interpretation of it because yes. there's other conspiracy okay. theories. Okay. And I'll just say, like, based off of my interpretation, it's A113. And A can also be 1 because it's the first, you know, letter of the alphabet, right? Following. So when you add things up numero- numerologically, you uh, always reduce to a single digit. Okay. Okay, um, so A would be one, 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 so that adds up to three, and then you have three at the end. And besides uh, single-digit numbers, you can also reduce to 11, 22, and 33. Repeats, the, yeah. So there's, there's one through nine, and then there's 11, 22, 33. And like these numbers are called like in numero numero I can't even say this numerology numerology <laughs> these numbers are called um, master numbers 
And so they have this like significant significance, this like spiritual, you know, gotcha symbolism. So 33 is like a very is a very powerful number. Is it now? It is. What is it? Um, it just suggests like personal power. And um, what does 22 mean? Do you know if 22 is also like a personal power kind of thing? I think 33 is a little more. Or I, I might be mixing it up. 22 might be more related to like spiritual power. Okay. Something like that. Um, regardless of the meaning, because okay. a lot of times with numerology, astrology, any of those kinds of things, you can kind of it's extrapolate. Bullshit. Yeah, you, yeah. It's bullshit, yep, yep, but yeah. you can extrapolate your own meaning. Meaning. Yeah. You yeah. can create your it own. It has thing. meaning. Yeah. Yeah. But it's up to you. Mm-hmm. Right. So I, I think it's interesting that, you know, a lot of. Disney movies, a lot of popular movies will use numerology and you won't even really notice it, but it, it's there in the background. And it also kind of ties in with what I was, um, you know, I was saying this like big picture kind of thing. Um, the underlying human story underneath all of these movies, because a lot of these movies will use like occult symbolism they'll use you know the third eye or um you know the pyramids or you know like like all these references to ancient humanity that like i think are suggesting like paradigms of that of that of ancient humanity are still playing out today in the movies and i think the movies are you know a a lot of conspiracy theorists have said that you know like Hollywood it's if you ever looked up what Hollywood is it's I I'm pretty sure it's like a type of wood used to make wands okay so it's all about magic it's all about like and and movies are basically magic in a way do you think that uh people when they were devising to create the this um underground uh secretive uh, way of distributing uh, subliminal information mm-hmm. that they would name the the entire organization that they're doing all this off of like a I mean I can't I can't say for sure I, you know I don't I, think I, any I really that's why you, it's I can tell you if I was planning on doing that I would not do that I would say let's make the name not mean anything at all so nobody ever looks at us right but why did they do that then uh well, that's a deeper question <laughs> right. for you to ask. <laughs> Did they? Did they do it? It's well, interesting. I mean, not that like you can always extrapolate because meaning, like at the end of the day, anything yeah. there's no meaning that can actually be like, um, uh, I guess, objectively assigned to pretty much anything. Mm-hmm. Every everything that has meaning, we have, and we're getting we're pretty uh, f- uh, philosophical about this, but mm-hmm. nothing technically has meaning. It only right. the only meaning anything has is what's been ingrained in us through the culture that we've been raised, which is why different cultures all across the world uh, put meaning towards different things. Like we do not have the same meaning towards pigs right. as uh, some other cultures do. Right. But it. But you you bring that up to them, and they're just like. Oh, absolutely not. Like that's no, no, no. That's well, it's that's a cultural thing. thing, but it's also an individual thing, right? Yeah, as it can be, which is why there technically is no meaning to anything because you can just think yeah. something up, and all of a sudden, if if one thing has meaning, then another thing must have meaning, and that other thing can be 
anything. Right. Because that one thing is just a thing. It's not a specific thing. It's just a thing. Mm -hmm. So if one thing has meaning, then that means that anything can have meaning. And that means that meaning is meaningless. Meaningless. Yes. Yeah. So we should probably just stop right here. So the Lion King (laughs) is meaningless. Um, It looks really good. That score is great. Hans Zimmer. It's like one of his... I think it's the only movie that Hans Zimmer has won best uh, best original score for. It's an excellent movie. It's an excellent movie. It's an excellent score. Of course. I mean, when you have that much money... Isn't it crazy that we have a Lion King remake coming out this year, but we also have an Elton John biopic? And I don't like that Elton John is still alive while his biopic is happening. <laughs> I don't. I can't really offer any like input on this. Elton John, you yeah. know who Elton John oh, is? Oh, of course. Yeah. yeah. What they about, have an Elton John biopic coming out. I don't. I don't. I don't know about that. What is? You don't know about that? No. Oh, I show you the trailer. It's a really good trailer. Oh, okay. It's good. Okay. Uh, is that called the the bitch is back? Is that? No, it's called Rocket Man. Oh, okay. Which sense. is also interesting that uh, the guy. You, you, have you heard about that uh, that show Chernobyl? That's coming out on HBO. No. Uh, there's like a show miniseries coming out on HBO called Chernobyl. It looks really intense. Uh, buddy of mine, Brian uh, Murnane, living out in LA, um, he asked me about. It. He's like, "Are you aware of the show?" And I was like, "How can I not be? I watch Game of Thrones and HBO shows. They're playing it before everything." Okay. And he sent me the filmography of uh, the guy who wrote Chernobyl, and it's like scary movie two, scary movie three, superhero movie, like all of those really weird parody mm. movies. Mm-hmm. Like that's pretty much all he's ever written. And then and at the bottom, it's this. Chernobyl, and you're like, what "The fuck is this?" So I'm kind of hoping that Chernobyl is actually like this kind of goofball death of Stalin kind of uh, kind of thing. Did you see Death of Stalin from last year? Dude. Oh, that's right. You don't like movies. I don't, watch, don't watch, watch movies. movies. I watch conspiracy theory videos on YouTube. Like I guess that's true, yeah. Maniac, yeah. Well, uh, thank you so much for joining me. <laughs> oh, is this it? Uh, you said that you wanted to wrap up. Like, I'm, oh, I'm no, I wasn't here. serious. I oh, was, okay. I was just... Well, we do have to wrap up. We, 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 we do said have meaning to wrap is up meaningless. So. Meaning is meaningless. Um, yeah. But I guess, I don't know, if I could sum up all of my, my thoughts about that. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I think it's just really worth uh, investigating on your own time. You know, not that you have to become a tinfoil hat wearing guy like me, which I'm not. Uh, yeah, that's nice. Um, but it's 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 worth uh, it's worth investigating or just looking for um, another like a deeper meaning and uh, the history of of symbolism and uh, also Freemasonry. I think that's a that's Oof, a, now you're getting into it. Oh yeah, I, uh, um, you ever play Assassin's Creed? Oh yeah, yeah. Oof, yeah, that's, love that. Yeah, love that. I really feel like Assassin's Creed is kind of like a more uh, definite historical accuracy <laughs> than most people give it credit for. Yeah. I feel like something like that's going on. Yeah, it, it very well could be. You know. Yeah, let's talk about conspiracies here. Let's, what else you got? What else do I got? Yeah, what else you got? Fuck it. Well, um... I don't know. I you know, I will say just as a general statement, I I don't necessarily believe that there's a there's a good guy and a bad guy in all of this. There very rarely are. 
Yeah. yeah. I don't know. I just think um, I think there's a definite representation of uh, magic, occult symbolism, all this stuff in a lot of our day to day, you know, our day to day life that we just don't normally pick, you know, pick up on or, or talk about. And I don't think it's uh, I don't think it's good or bad. I don't think there's like a, you know, if even if there is like a new world order or thing that all these people freak out, you know, I, I, I think it's just misunderstood mm-hmm. um, because the biggest thing that I've noticed is that um, in our kind of modern society, we've were and where we at right now um, in Western cultures, we're kind of divided. There's a lot of polarity. Um, you know, there's, are you, you know, liberal or conservative? Are you this or that? And everybody's like taking a side. Um, but I don't think, I don't think we're supposed to do that. I think we're individuals and I think we can, you know, carry both of those aspects, you know, um, and, and use all of that to our benefit. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, you know, if you look into Freemasonry, they kind of understand this. They understand duality. And, you know, most conspiracy theorists or whatever would say that, you know, they're using duality against us. Like if you look at the mainstream media, if you look at the news, it's like there's, you know, you're constantly being pulled to one side or the other or. Yeah, it. it I don't I don't think that's where we should be moving, but I do think it's like it's opening up uh, a lot of conversation. The fact that we're opposing, you know, like we oppose each other mm-hmm. and, you know, because we don't believe we don't all believe the same thing. But um, I think a lot of movies can kind of preach all of these ideals. And uh you know, we all kind of identify with those things in different ways, you know, like what a character in a movie can represent. Um, you know, we might associate with either the things that we like or that we don't like about, um, you know, just common belief systems or like whatever, you know, we're if we're more liberal or conservative mm-hmm. or whatever whatever i, mm-hmm. I mean uh, like from my point of view on all of this is you know i, I think that conspiracy theories are interesting uh yeah almost every single one i've ever heard has so many has way more holes in it than yeah. the actual thing that they're tearing down mm-hmm. and that's because i really do think that conspiracy theorists for the most part it, it can be used as like a hobby as interesting to like, let me dive down this and see where it goes. Yeah, let me yeah. read this and blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. For the most part, it's, it's again, it's trying to find meaning in this meaningless, meaningless thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it's also, you know, most of the things that they are trying to grab onto have root in reality, mm-hmm. which is um, the, the uh, constant attainment of control of both power and money. Mm-hmm. And that's something that's always going to exist. And it's not a conspiracy. That's no. just what it fucking is. Right. And so you try to find that in other aspects of life um, because you have yourself on, on one side over here, you have the fact that power and money are real. Mm-hmm. And it looks like certain types of people always seem to have right. that. Right. Uh, give or take, you know, this like weird occurrence every now and then where somebody falls down or somebody goes up. Mm -hmm. For the most part, it's pretty much 90% the same. 
And then you go over here and you go, well, what if what if the way that that's maintained is by all of this stuff over here is used to indoctrinate all of us to do it? Yeah. The big argument against that is that, well, then the people who are writing these conspiracy theories, they were not indoctrinated. Right. But how could that be if all of the power and all of the money are using all of that power and that money to indoctrinate? And it becomes one of these things where it, it becomes an elitist kind mm. of thing where it's mm -hmm. like, because I am aware of these conspiracies, I am better than you, you, you yeah. popcorn oh, eating absolutely. kind of people. And, yeah, yeah. And that's where it starts to kind of fall apart because some people do use conspiracy theories as this kind of entitlement, yeah. this kind of elitist thing Definitely. where at the end of the day, like, dude, you're just telling a good story. Yeah. And, and that's absolutely fine. Like the Da Vinci Code and shit like that. Like that guy, what's that guy's fucking name that wrote those books? Oh, uh... Like he made an entire yeah. career off of this shit. Was it Tom Robin or Tom Collins? I can't remember. <laughs> I just know Tom Hanks was like the dude no, with the is, hair. Yeah, what was his name? I can't remember. Yeah, I mean, Da Vinci Code, Angels and Demons, Angels and Demons. Yeah. And then there was like the other one it was like Inferno. <laughs> Inferno. I can't directed by Ron Howard. Starring Tom <laughs> Hanks. Inferno. Ewan McGregor is a priest, <laughs> angels and demons. It's all this stuff where it's like, it's fun to talk about, but once you take it too seriously yeah, yeah. or you don't take it seriously enough, you become kind of like, yeah, yeah. it's just a thing to talk about and have fun with. And yeah, you know, the, yeah. the power and money systems are always going to divide. Mm -hmm. That's the way that you do it. You cannot have the more you can divide it, the better, because if you have multiple sections on each side, you have multiple sections in the middle of people who go like, well, I'm not going to adhere to these six sides that you've made. Yeah. I'm going to go in the middle. But you also have different tiers of that where it's mm -hmm. like, I'm not I'm not a liberal or conservative or Democrat or Republican. Yeah. I look at somebody and I go, well, what have you been up to? Yeah. And I look at it and I go, ah, you're a piece of shit. I don't like you. And I look at everybody else and I go, ah, I don't like you either. Which is the one that's probably best to do the job that needs to get done in the next two, four, six years, depending on what the term is. Yeah. As far as politics go. Mm -hmm. And you just go through that. And it's like the idea where it's like, uh, just because you don't like Trump, or it's like, yeah, but well, Hillary. And I'm like, Hillary wasn't that great either. Yeah. She's fucking better than this thing that we got right now. Probably. You know, we, we wouldn't be at like a stalemate for four years because we're trying to investigate this guy who definitely did a bunch of really stupid shit and he can't get anything fucking done because he's a m -m 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 moron. Who knows? Well, who knows what it could be? Yeah, it's but a different who knows? Thing. Yeah, who knows? I'd rather have somebody who's a politician be president than somebody who's an absolute fucking joke. <laughs> He's a well, joke. you know, okay, but you know what? Where this conversation this is great. Is going, We're really going. We're going. No, but people tuning in a lot, listen to us listen, uh, talk about the Lion King. Yeah, right now. now we're talking about Trump. All yeah. right, we have. I'm gonna. I'm gonna call it right now. We have five minutes. Okay, we have five minutes, and then we gotta stop. Well, I think you know, even the the fact that it got it, the whole conversation kind of diverted into that. You know, uh, I think that's kind of an indicator of how you know, divided people are and, you know, like, I, I'm not going to like, I don't, I don't support Trump. I don't care about any Good. of that. You know, it's like, you shouldn't. Most times I won't. Yeah, no, most He's times I won't, guy. I won't take <laughs> a stance or anything. 
was like, hey, but you know the that end- guy that comes onto the bar every now and then and like, <laughs> likes to like brag about like how he just like does this, does that. And you're kind of like, oh, that's mean. I'd never do that. Yeah. I like that guy. You wouldn't do that. No. Yeah. I. But I don't know. At the same time, it's just like all of that is so foreign to me. And I think it's really hard to just listen to left and right politics because, you know, everyone's freaking crazy yeah. you know no matter what side you listen to there's everything's there's, meaningless yeah there's it's meaningless exactly but so we it's need like, to also help people who are like being affected by the things that everybody throws meaning onto right and you know like okay while you know trump you know is has you know a lot of people especially in new york have this like you know general like you know disdain towards him which makes sense you he's know a new yorker right Right. Uh, besides that, uh-huh. you know, a lot of people, you know, don't like him. Okay. And I'm not saying I like him either, but I do think his presidency or his being in office has kind of sparked a lot of conversations that I don't think we might not have had if 100%. if he wasn't, you know. I agree. And I think we, if we look at long term, I think that, you know, it's, you know, a good conversation to be having right now. And I think it's going to bridge the gap between left and right eventually, because eventually one side is going to get, or both sides are going to get so infuriated, you know, it's either going to lead to a civil war or it's hopefully going to mellow out to a place where it's like, okay, we can, I can accept that you have these values. You can accept that I have these values, you know, we can just, you know, live together. <laughs> you know, maybe that's like a it's, utopian I, I think it's more, fantasy, but it's more using figureheads as a it's more using individual politicians or individual individuals yeah. as figureheads for these beliefs that you have. Yeah. It's like Trump does not embody everything that Republicans or conservatives believe. He embodies enough that they're like, sure. Right. That's gonna be that. Right. And it's the same thing with like, you know, I mean, like, you know, Mufasa's like Bernie Sanders and Scar's like Trump and Simba is like Elizabeth Warren. And it's kind of like. Well, actually, I don't know. Maybe, <laughs> maybe Mufasa, maybe uh, Scar is Bernie Sanders, though. Possibly. Because I mean. No, like, Scar's Joe Biden. <laughs> but at the, re- at the time I mean, of this But recording. you've seen, I mean, in The Lion King, there is that scene where I'm not, I'm not suggesting by any means that Bernie Sanders is a Nazi because of course he's not a Nazi. But, Probably not. <laughs> but it, but bet. but he is a socialist. Sure. Right? And, I mean, that's what Nazis were. They were a socialist party. Yeah, but they were a lot more than that. Too. Oh, well, yeah, of course. We're I mean, not, they, they, they had not, another... We are not getting into this right no, now. No, we're not going we're into not Nazis. We're not going into this. We're not going... But in Lion King, you know there is that scene. 100... Yes. Yeah. There is the there, Be Prepared Best best Song yeah. in the movie, yeah. right? Be mm-hmm. Prepared Best Song in the movie? I, yeah, we can say that. Slaps. Yeah, why not? Right? <laughs> yeah. It slaps. I throw it down. Say it. It slaps. What slaps? Be prepared. I'll say it in a full sentence. Be prepared. It slaps. From the Lion King. From the Lion King. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Good. Well, not that I think that I was <laughs> meant to be here for. Um, I'd love to have you on again to talk about some other stuff too. And maybe we can find other movies to talk about conspiracy-wise yeah. and stuff like I that. I would love to. This, this is an absolute blast. So man. much fun. I've known you now for... Um, Shit, man. More than a few years. Yeah. And uh, this is like, this is great. 
That's probably the longest I, we've ever actually talked. Yeah. Without like distractions you around know, it's us. It's nice to, having the headphones on and being yeah, able yeah. to look you right in the eyes because, you know. In this beautiful space. That's what, that's what hu- yeah. This is like good human interaction. Yeah, know? it's very nice. I get yeah. this a lot. So everybody <laughs> listening, I hope you guys dug this. Uh, I, uh, we tried to say at the very beginning what this was going to become. So hopefully we didn't upset any of you. And maybe we'll try and write in our description that this is exactly what this is going to become. Uh, so that you don't feel fooled or anything. Yeah. Um, uh, I want to thank uh, Brian Kopchak, my guest. Hey, man. Thank you, Mike Bird. Thank you, dude. Cheers to you. Yeah. One last little cheers here. Mm-hmm. The cucumber is really That's a good to Tom Robbins. Ah, Tom my Robbins. favorite, favorite author. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, uh, please, dear listeners, remember to rate, review, and subscribe. You can find uh, a bunch of other podcasts and everything over on StoryScreenBeacon.com along with articles and reviews. Remember to follow us on um, Instagram. It's the really big one, at Story underscore Screen underscore Beacon. We're always doing a bunch of really fun stuff over there. You can also follow us over on Twitter, at Story underscore Screen, where we are attempting to get things going. And uh, you should just go over there and like start like openly mocking us on threads that we haven't looked at and months mm. that's really a way to get that get that gauge going over there um and also remember we also have story screen beacon theater if you live in the area check us out on fandango or on our website we always have our schedule up we're always showing new movies old movies uh, at the time of this recording and uh, probably it's posting we'll be showing the the dark crystal and uh, there will be blood uh, along with avengers endgame in its uh, final week run over here which is still kicking ass because we are a kick-ass theater and everybody wants to come see it here for their second or third time um i've been mike burge brian Kopchek. am i allowed to plug myself yeah you actually should yeah oh yeah well uh check out uh my band common tongue you can follow us on instagram at common tongue ny um, if you're local to the area, the Hudson Valley area, we play at the Falcon every third Wednesday of the month, um, as well as other various venues. Um, or you can follow me on Instagram at Brian with a Y underscore Kopchak, K-O-P-C-H-A-K. Um, that would be appreciated because I'm trying to be famous. Yeah, yeah. No, no, no. This is like a, a big leg up. <laughs> no. We have a very heavily, a heavy listenership that is going to just lift you I'm up. I'm trying to siphon yeah. up. And then you, you can know, become one your... of the powerful, money-hungry people. Yeah. Just like, They'll make conspiracy put theories dicks about Dicks in me. the Little Mermaid. <laughs> put dicks in the Little Mermaid to make sure they know dicks. their place. How many dicks on the call? <laughs> Thank you guys again so much for listening, and um, we'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Thank you. Ayo, papa. I should probably close that door. It'll be a little echoey. Um, there we go. Let's see here. Very nice, very nice. In a, in a grand auditorium. What do you got? Uh, hey, hey. This is uh, this is me. That's yeah. And then how's it sound in your your headset? You, you like being able to hear it a little bit. Mm-hmm. You like kind of. No, I feel like I this like is good right voice, here, right? Yeah. Well, because then you can also hear me a little bit. Yeah.
Okay, it's great. Like we're in our own little world. And we're talky, talky, talky. We get excited, but that's oh. okay. That's great because I have a limiter that I can use <laughs> to bring that down. I'll probably bring the gain down just a tiny bit there. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>